Welcome to the Milt Talk Legacy Builders Podcast, a place where Milts can connect to one another to inspire, motivate, and collaborate to continue to build a strong and well-connected alumni association. I believe that Milton Hershey School rebranding is actually just getting started, and I want to be part of that journey. I think the best way to commemorate Milton and Catherine Hershey is to continue our own legacy that impacts the world as Milton Hershey so impacted us. I believe the level of extraordinary that each and every Milt carries within them is deeply underestimated, and this podcast will help in the journey to show off what Milts are really made of. I'm excited to get to know more Milts, more insight to their upbringing, and what they're doing now to build their legacy and bring value to others, and what being a Milt really means to them. Today I'm talking to today I'm talking with Abigail Johnson, class of 2006 founder of Live Without Apologies, LLC. Abby is a child of God, a daughter, a sister, a friend, Nija, a mental health advocate, a passionate public servant, and so much more. She created LWA to inspire everyone to live life unapologetically and on your own terms, without judgment or validation from others. She has had the idea for Live Without Apologies for five years now. However, perfection paralysis prevented her from acting on it. Everything changed, however, in October of 2020. She quit her dream job after battling depression, anxiety, and feeling a loss in her sense of identity. Abby realized she was operating from a warped definition of success, a constant state of seeking validation, making decisions based on what she perceived others wanted her to do. Quitting was her freedom. When she quit, she was ashamed and felt guilty, but gave herself grace to step into the uncertainty of not knowing what would come next. She was unemployed for four months, but that period of stillness, reflection, and listening to God allowed her to rest, recenter, and rediscover her own voice, passions, and aspirations. With that said, Live Without Apologies was birth. So welcome to the Milk Talk Legacy Builders podcast. I'm so excited to have you as my guest, Abby. Thank you. And thank you for that introduction. I'm like over here, like, uh, <laughs> beaming. Uh, first of all, I love your intro about what you believe milts bring um, to, in terms of um, building our legacy. Um, but thank you for making me sound great. Uh, no, you I are. That. Absolutely. I was blown away just, just <laughs> listening to it and hearing it when, when you sent it over. Um, it literally gave me chills. It inspired me because I'm, I'm super excited to, to get to know your story. I don't think enough people talk about mental health and living on your own terms. So to to hear your story and, and see you living out that journey is, is awesome. I'm excited to hear more about it. Um, I wanna start with uh, how old were you when you first got to MHS? Yeah, so um, I guess I'm one of the people that they consider a lifer. Okay. Um, I came to MHS when I was six years old and I was in like the old, well, you know, the older, where transitional living is right now, I was in student home Fulton. Okay. Um, so one of the older ones that was just um, redesigned to transitional living. Okay. And it was an experience. I don't think I really knew what I was getting into. I was just a you know naive, naive child. Yeah. I remember you know waking up the first day. My first chore was. Um, cleaning this, like sweeping the stairs. And I was like, yeah. where's my mom? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, at first it's like a lot of commotion. Yeah. They're like distracting you to get you settled. And then the next day, like reality hits. I remember crying 
I remember my first meal was like on Cocoa Puffs. Um, But I was comforted by, you know, the girls in my student home and um, my house parents. So I I remember vividly, August 4th, 1994. Wow. Wow. Good memory there. And that Mm -hmm. is such a young, delicate age to experience such a change in culture shock. Right. What, um, where, where were you born? I was born in New Jersey. So I'm, I'm from New Jersey. I was born in Princeton. If you want to get specific, that's what's listed (laughs) on my birth certificate. But, um, when I went to Milton Hershey, I lived in Trenton, New Jersey. And then my family later moved to Willenboro and that's where, um, my mom and my sister are right now. Okay. You only have one other sister? Aha, uh-huh. no. So I come from a large Nigerian family. I have eight siblings, wow. um, but I mostly grew up with three sisters on my mom's side. And I was the first, so three of us actually ended up going to Milton Hershey. Okay. Um, yeah, I went to Milton Hershey first though. I went um, in 1994 and then two of my sisters, my oldest sister, Jen, and my youngest sister, Steph, they joined me eight years later. So it wasn't until I was in eighth grade um, that the school finally accepted Jen and wow. Steph. And my mom had been trying to get my other sister, Monica, into the school the entire time as well. But for some reason, they never accepted her. And we were all like confused because usually, typically they like to keep families together. Right. Um, so that was hard. Yeah. Um, which is funny. I think Monica and I relate to each other a lot because we both experience being separated yeah. from, you know, family. I like on the front end being separated from my sisters and my mom. Um, mm. And then she on the back end when everyone left and came to Milton Hershey. Oh, so how old were, what, what was the difference in age between you and your sisters? Yeah, what I love about my sisters is that we're all super close in age. Okay. Um, my older sister, her and I are Irish twins. Okay. We are 11 months apart. Um, so it's fun because we are the same age for one week. And I get to like, make fun of her, <laughs> like you're not really older than me. You know, we're the same age. She actually just celebrated a birthday and she has a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Um, my two younger sisters, there's a, like a three year gap between me and Monica. Um, and then Monica and Steph are also a year apart. Wow. So yeah, uh, we're like 30, how old am I now? Jen is 34 and then Steph is 29. Okay. So we're all like, it's all like, it's like we're best friends, but we're also sisters. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. It's nice to have that connection with your siblings. Yeah. We have a big family too. My family is a family of seven. Um, and, and four of us went to Milton Hershey and then- oh. My two older sisters, they wouldn't accept them because they were already in like ninth grade. Um, And I think at that time, like I got there in 96 um, and I was 10. So my sisters by then were already like freshmen and sophomores. So they wouldn't accept them at that time. Yeah. But me and my other sister, we were in the same, same grade. We came in together and my two brothers came in together like a year before us. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. So they yeah. told a little bit about it. But um, yeah, when we got there, it was complete culture shock, too. I cried for weeks and weeks and weeks. It was it was a crazy culture shock experience. I can't even and I was 10. I can't even imagine at six right. to experience something like that alone, too. I had my yeah. sister with me. So to experience it alone. 
but it, but it speaks to like you said the comfort that you got from the other girls in the student home it speaks mm -hmm. to that that mhs connection you know why right why milks right. are really so close is because of that kind of stuff you know right yeah and i never really felt i mean I, the first day yeah i felt like oh you know what am i doing here but i never really felt alone um because of that connection and i'm very close to at least two people that were in like my student home in Fulton, like when yeah. I was six years old. How crazy. Um, yeah, and it's just crazy how like life, life goes in like a circle. Um, yeah. One of the, Crystal Polite is like someone I consider my best friend and we came in together, we were both six. Um, and then Taya Green, what is Taya's class? Oh, three, we were at, we were both in Fulton together. Yeah. And then later on in life, we both ended up in Richmond, Virginia together. <laughs> How cool. And now we're like both back in the DMV together. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's just been like a nice, you know, full circle experience. And I consider yeah. her a big sister still. That's great. I, I know her. Yeah. She was always a great person. She always had such a great smile. She was mm -hmm. like laugh. I remember that. Um, wow. So when you graduated, did you end up going to college? I did. Okay. Um, I went to Georgetown in okay. D.C., and it's funny because it was like a milt like oasis. Um, I ran track. So um, I went, I didn't go on a track. And I like to emphasize that I did not go on a track scholarship. Like I got there on my own merit um, no. academically, but I ran yeah. track. Yeah. Um, I followed my older sister, Jen, went to Georgetown. So I was like, okay, I already have the social circle there. And then um literally Georgetown was just recruiting the track team at MHS yeah. Candace Ferguson yeah. went there Ashley Mundy John Ocon were all there ahead of me and I was like oh my team is here yeah. <laughs> like I'm gonna be comfortable here I have my team I have my sister and then one of my other best friends from Milton Hershey Caitlin uh -huh. um, in my class also went to Georgetown so yeah. it was just like you know some like a safe space for me yeah. and a great you know a great education but also the social support right to go to school so important yeah that's super important because i think a lot of milts um you know who graduated and then went off on their own had they, there was a lot of tough stuff that we had to deal with in the real world that we weren't you know very well prepared for so to be able to have like fellow milts that still understand you to have in that circle is so so important yeah i too went to college and had like four or five milts still around which was really right. really great yeah yeah so what yeah. did you study so i studied human science everyone's like what is that um <laughs> it's like the bridge between i was a, a, originally pre-med okay and then i started taking like the hard science classes and i was like what am i doing you know <laughs> like nope nope not pre-med um, so human science was a nice bridge for me. It was like, you know, the bridge between health science and public health. Um, so that's my introduction to public health. Um, so I studied human science. I got really interested in public health. Like in my senior year, I remember there was some sort of outbreak on campus and we had to like um, write a report about it. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. You know, I can make a career out of this. And then um, that summer, I had volunteered at the local health department back home in Jersey because that was like the summer 2009 of H1N1. Yeah. The H1N1 epidemic or, or outbreak. Um, so I was like, you know, working with epidemiologists and I was like, this is fascinating. I felt like 
Um, epidemiologists, like the nickname for them are disease detectives. Uh -huh. And most people, when they think of public health, that's what they think of, like, especially now with COVID, right? It's like, you know, public health experts are figuring out what is going on, yeah. you know, how many people are uh, affected, how, you know, what are the solutions that we can take to mitigate, yeah. um, mitigate, you know, the, the problem. So that drew me into public health. Um, yeah. yeah. And then from where, from there, so you volunteered there and then you finished out college. What was the next steps for you? Yeah, the next steps, I was so fascinated by public health. I was like, I'm going to grad school. So I went to the University of Pittsburgh, okay. um, their graduate program. Um, actually, another thing that motivated me was my younger sister, uh, Monica, the one who did not go to um, MHS yeah. because um, Monica is a proud teen mom. Um, you know, she wears that badge, um, you know, honorably, and she is yeah. an excellent mother, and she has, she's, like, doing phenomenal, like, now to this day, but I was, like, you know, how could that have been, not that it's, you know, I think everything happens in its own time, yeah, but I was very passionate about sexual health back then, and I was, like, I want to study sexual health, I want to help teen mothers, you know, I want to figure out how we can provide resources to, to young girls and young boys so that, you know, um, they can, Pro, you know, postpone having children until they're a little bit more stable in life. And, and what does that look like? You know, what are the social constructs that we need to provide for them? So that was what I studied um, in my grad program, like what my focus was in my grad program, but it was public health. And um, my concentration was behavioral and community health sciences. Wow. That is awesome. And then, so you got into your master's. Were you working at that time or were you still volunteering? I was, I was working as a research assistant with um, uh, Dr. Akers at like, the McGee Women's Hospital there. We were working on a, a, teen, um, a, a teen pregnancy study, um, helping parents communicate to their children about sex. Yeah. Uh, because I think that's another issue that needs to be addressed. Um, I come from a family, you know, the Nigerian heritage. I don't know if it's, I don't want to, you know, make a blanket statement, yeah. but like my mom didn't talk to me about sex. She was just like, I remember learning about it at MHS, you know, you know how they separate us. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember learning about it in fifth grade. And I remember talking to my mom like, oh, I learned about, you know, sex today. And she was like, oh, good, good. <laughs> I was like, okay. She, she just says like, be careful, be careful. Yeah. We, we know what that means, you know, she's, right. it's not a comfortable topic for her. Yeah. Um, so it was fun to, to study that or to work on that as yeah. a research assistant. Yeah. And that is, that is such a good niche topic you know, especially for younger kids, because I think a lot of us, you know, because of our cultural upbringing or our cultural background, like for, for us Middle Easterners, sex was like taboo practically. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was dirty, pretty much. Right. Like, you, do it, you don't talk about it. We don't mention it, you know, until you're married. And then even then we don't talk about it, you know? Right. But, but it's not, it's a, it's, you know, it's natural. It's a beautiful thing. And, and in order to utilize it in a proper way, you need to learn your self-worth first. And, right. you mm -hmm. know, and, and then it, it does become a, a beautiful thing instead of an ugly secretive type of thing. Yeah. 
So right. yeah, especially <laughs> for young girls and, and boys to learn it on that level, you know, to not be ashamed of it. I think there's so mm-hmm. much shame around it. Right, um, right. Yeah. So, so many correlations with mental health, but we'll get there. Yeah, <laughs> and I can't wait. <laughs> so, so keep going. Yeah, just take me through the journey. What, what was after that? Yeah, so after that, let's see, I finished grad school and then I applied. I had done like a, a, a summer internship at CDC, the Centers for Disease Control. Uh-huh. Very cool. Um, yeah, so I, I went to Atlanta for a summer and I was, I fell in love. Like CDC is the premier public health organization. Yes. Everyone knows who the CDC is yeah. now. Like I don't even have to, you know, describe yeah. <laughs> what the agency does. Although I do have to describe what the agency does. I'm like, okay. they are not only an infectious disease agency. Um, because I didn't work in infectious disease. I initially, when I went to CDC, I started as a fellow. Um, it was called the Public Health Prevention Service Fellowship. Mm-hmm. And they were training us to be like program managers um, in a public health um, institution. So mm-hmm. we did like one year of training at CDC. And then I was assigned to the Richmond City Health District in Richmond, Virginia. And I managed the chronic disease program there. Wow. Um, so I worked on everything from like heart disease, obesity, nutrition, physical activity. Yeah. And it was amazing. Like that's everything I studied was like community health. And I had real world experience working with a community focused on underserved, you know, minority populations, yeah. um, working across sectors, working in schools, working with city council, working um, you know, with um, other nonprofits, working with the private industry, working with the hospitals. Um, wow. And then when my fellowship was ending, I had to like, had to make a decision. Do I stay in Richmond or do I go back to CDC headquarters in Atlanta? Yeah. And I really wanted to stay in Richmond, but um, just, you know, the pay, I had to be realistic too. But yeah. my boss didn't have a job for me right yet. He was like, I will make one for you. But yeah. like just the bureaucratic process of creating a job right. um, versus I already had an offer at CDC. Yeah. So I went back to CDC in Atlanta and I was a policy analyst um, for like the National Center for Chronic Disease Prevention and Health Promotion. So still working in chronic disease as a policy analyst. I worked there for three years. And then I made the switch to um, the opioid response coordinating unit at like the height of the opioid epidemic. Yeah, I was like, wow, this is awesome. Not that's awesome. You know, like (laughs) that's one, that's like an inside joke we have at CDC whenever there's a crisis. We're like, yes, because we care so much about public health. Like, like I've worked on the Ebola crisis, I've worked on Zika. And then when I had the opportunity to work in opioids, I was like, yes, because I have such a personal connection to it, not, you know, from loved ones, um, but also because I recognize um, similar to like, you know, what we just said about sex and what I said about mental health, um, all of those things are correlated. um, And a lot of, you know, a lot of what people don't understand is what drives your, the health issue is not, is not an individual decision. Mm-hmm. There are social, structural, and economic, um, you know, considerations that people need to address to really attack any health issue. Right. You can tie any health issue to a social, structural, and economic, um, 
you know, cause. Absolutely. Uh, and it's all of those, addressing all of those things together is where you really make the dent and the impact. Yes, yes. So good. I did, um, I did a research study in, in one of my masters on um, food deserts. And yes. It's, ah. God, it's so, and it, it, it made me so sad as I was doing all of the research, because I, for one, you know, obviously we went to Milton Hershey because we came from poverty. So it made me think about how my upbringing was. And then to see how it's almost like by design that, mm. you know, these, say it again, Zara. Yeah, it's, it's crazy <laughs> that these, these food deserts are specifically designed and created to be in areas of severe poverty and like mm -hmm. you said that's where obesity comes heart disease all, all all they have is the convenience store that has nothing but juice and processed food and chips and nothing right. fresh and healthy everything yeah. just completely processed um, right. cheap so sorry to interrupt you that was one of the things i did in richmond we it was called the healthy corner store initiative and it's like a national movement i think now they're expanding it to just get grocery stores yeah. to those you know to communities yeah. that need them um but in the absence of a grocery store because it takes a lot to move a grocery store into yeah. a community um we were just meeting the people where they are we partnered with local farms and we partnered with corner store owners and we were like what fresh produce can we get into your yeah. store we will give you the grant money for a refrigerator we'll teach you how to maintain it we will survey the residents to find out what they actually want to buy so that mm -hmm. the food is not just sitting there. You know, right. you're gonna make a profit from this. Yeah. And then we'll have a block party yeah. when when you open so that you get, you know, interest. Yeah. Um, yeah. But to go back to your point about like these are the communities are designed like this. Yeah. Um, that is so true. Um, and that goes back to structural racism and redlining. Yeah. And you know, people not people now not seeing it like I feel like now there's gentrification you know yeah yeah we can talk about white flight and now white people coming back like yep. and changing the communities and then yeah. now also pushing us out yeah, right <laughs> um there's so much to dissect there I'm yeah. you know that's my my passion for health equity and social justice but mm -hmm. um yeah I think that one of the things that Milton Hershey like instilled in me, if there was such a thing as a thriving community, right? No. If, if you look at the social determinants of health and all of the things that impact health, it's education. We got a phenomenal education. Yeah. It's family. We had, you know, um, family modeled for us, a healthy family. What does a healthy family look like modeled right. for us? It is, um, well, the one thing, well, let me not get to that. I'll get to that one. Um, it is, you know, economic development. Milton Hershey's campus is absolutely beautiful. Gorgeous. We yeah. could walk anywhere, you know, and, and that also green space, like it's clean. Um, yeah, all yeah. of that helps. Um, it's the criminal justice system. It is, um, it's so much more, all of it intertwined to create a thriving community. Mm -hmm. um, I won't pretend like Milton Hershey was all roses because right. we, we know the stories and right. we know the people who try to use those stories yeah. to attack the school. Right. But if we look at the grand scheme of things, yeah. you know, we, we had so much given to us. Yeah. And I always highlight, like, showcase Milton Hershey as, like, the ideal 
for what a thriving community looks yes. like. Resources. So, yeah, all of the resources. Good resources, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's so good. Wow. And, and the amount of like education and experience that you've been acquiring in, in these areas is cr- unbelievable. Like you, you are very lucky to be in those positions to be able to first see that on that level, because I think across the board, and this is like no more excuse, you know, across right. board ignorance, you know, yep. people don't even know till this day what a food desert is, right? Alone, you know, how to then fix it. And, and that's been, that's been an okay excuse for a while now, but now that can no longer be an excuse because we have resources at our fingertips to, to be able to Google something or to be able to know, oh, there's no grocery store anywhere in this vicinity, you know? Right, right. Why? You know? Um, yeah. So you've been able to, to get in that position to first be able to see it, understand it um, on a grand scale too. Um, right. And then now- right your passion is taking you to the point of like, okay, now we need to get this out there. We need to teach other people about this who are not in these positions to know, to be able to now do something about these communities, yeah. Right, well, this is what I call like the silver lining of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, I feel like the, uh, the pandemic put us all on our knees and it really like humbled us. Us, I say us as a society collectively because we were all experiencing the same thing. Like there was a shortage of food. You know, a lot of people were losing their jobs. You know, you have loved ones and family members falling sick. And now you know what it means to not have access to food. Now you know what it looked like. You know, I don't wanna, I never wanna put that on anyone, but now people who never understood what poverty looks like know what poverty looks like. Even if it was just for a second. Right, right. So they can empathize with it a little bit more. And I think coming out of like, everyone is talking about, uh, at least in the public health field, like how do we come out of the cold? You know, what is the COVID response? How do we come out of this? Um, Well, there's a lot of lessons to be learned. um, And there's a lot that we can do. And food insecurity is one of those things um, that is being highlighted as an area that needs to be addressed as well as housing insecurity, as well as, you know, job, the job rate, (laughs) creating jobs for people. Yeah, yeah. There's so many things. Mental health. I'll put that out there. (laughs) Mental health as well um, that needs to be addressed. Yeah, yeah. So after that, um, so you went to back to Atlanta and Mm -hmm. you had your policy analyst position there. Um, Mm -hmm. And then from where, what did you decide? Yeah, so I had the policy analyst position, then I had the uh, the opioids position, That's then right. I had the opportunity to go to DC for a summer to work on the Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to DC and I was serving as a congressional liaison back to CDC headquarters in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was supporting the National Injury Center mm-hmm. and I was working on topics like liaising with members of Congress and their staff on topics like violence prevention, suicide, um, opioids, wow. um, adverse childhood experiences. Yeah. Uh, I loved that experience. It was like uh, very fast paced, um, you know, things moving very quickly, but just getting to see from a national perspective, what types of legislation, you know, 
where, where, where is the government's priority? Yeah. You know, in all of those topic areas. And how can CDC, right, serve as um, a, a partnering body? So a lot of the legislation I was reviewing is like, you know, we want CDC, Congress saying we want CDC to do this, to implement this initiative. Can CDC do it? What resources does CDC need to make this happen? So we were, you know, the negotiating yeah. like in between helping to like draft that legislation. Yeah. Well, not draft, but provide technical assistance is what we call yeah. it. Um, <laughs> And yeah, so it was eye-opening to see from that perspective. Um, but at the same time, I was getting homesick. You know, I, I had been trying trying to get back up to like the DMV slash Jersey area for probably since I, I went back to headquarters in Atlanta. Yeah. So being in DC for the summer, reconnecting with some of my best friends from the mill um, and also being closer to my family, I was like, I need to just find a job here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and it doesn't, I started to get frustrated because I was working at that time under the previous administration. Mm. And the things that we as an agency knew we should and could do, yeah. um, we were kind of like silenced. So for me, I was like, this is crazy. Like yeah. we know what we need to do to impact health. We know what we need to do to influence health. and you know, the administration is preventing us from doing what we need to do. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to leave CDC. I'm going to apply to, you know, philanthropy. I was very like interested in philanthropy and like health systems. Yeah. Um, and everyone's like, what? You're leaving CDC? Because, you know, when you have a government job, everyone's like, that is security. Right. Why would you right. ever, why would you ever leave CDC? Yeah. Um, but I had the opportunity to join a philanthropy um, that was very focused on all of the things that I get excited about, health equity, social justice, like centering um, the vulnerable community. Yeah. And it was more of a leadership position. And like just the sky was the limit in terms yeah. of um, um, job progression. Mm. So I was like, okay, I'm leaving. I got the job. And how I got the job is another testimony in itself. Like everything I give to God, like glory yeah. to God. Um, so I was just excited to start my new chapter. That was November, 2019. Okay. Wow. So from there, uh, how, how did you like that? How did you like that, that new chapter with the philanthropy? Um, <gasps> um <laughs> <laughs> that is where my mental health is just, uh, so, you know, I'll back up. I would say my mental and, and maybe we can get into the mental health journey because it kind of all ties together. Yeah. Um, I, like my own mental health journey, I've always had a little bit of anxiety and depression, but I think I had my first mental health break in 20, was it 2019? Okay. Um, this was right before I went to do the short-term assignment in DC. Okay. I was like in a long-term four-year relationship with my partner, my ex-partner, yeah. and we broke up right before then. And I was devastated. And I like was cr like, I crumbled, I broke down. Like yeah. I had been putting so much of myself into this relationship mm -hmm. that I didn't recognize myself. So when the relationship ended, I didn't know who I was. I was like, what do I do now? Yeah. Uh, at the time we were long distance. So that was one of the other reasons I was trying to, he was in New York. Yeah. And I was in Atlanta. That was one of the other reasons I was trying to get back up there. Yeah. Um, and then when we ended, 
and the opportunity, like I was presented with the opportunity to go for the summer, um, you know, the summer detail is what they call it yeah. in DC. I was like, yes, I'm going, you know, it's a fresh start for me. I can like physically move away from Atlanta and just start yeah. this next chapter in my life. Mind you, it was a detail. Like it was a three month assignment, yeah. but I packed up all my stuff. I was like, I have strong faith that God is moving me here. Yeah. I put all my stuff in storage. I told my roommate, I was like, um, you know, I'll see you. You know, I'm going to come back and get my stuff. You know, let me know if you want someone else. I was still paying for my yeah. apartment, but I was just like, God is going to open doors for me to stay. Like this move is a permanent move. Yeah. I am staying in DC. And, and sure enough, <laughs> God provided. And I was blessed with the opportunity to work at the plant philanthropy wow wow yeah so so you you had your first real like awareness of depression and you know that that episode in 2019 yeah but anxiety has been something that you've always fought pretty much all your right yeah right right yeah yeah okay so then what um and you said in your bio earlier um you were laid off in October of 2020 um and no I wasn't laid off I quit oh you quit that's right you quit mm-hmm. your dream job what made you quit was that the philanthropy Ooh. job that you quit yes it was okay. Okay. that was the dream yeah. Listen, anyone who talks to me like if you know me if you're a close friend you know how excited I was to start yeah. at the philanthropy because I am like I, I'm on fire for health equity and social justice yeah and the social determinants of health, like bridging all of that. So I started in in November, 2019, and it was going well. Um, It took me out of like, really took me out of my comfort zone. I remember like my first day on the job, they flew me to Chicago and they were like, "Um, you wanna go to this grantee conference? I was like, yeah, sure. They're like, oh, by the way, you're on the agenda to give the welcome. I was like, wait, what? This is my first day. <laughs> I, I'm like pulling my colleagues to the side. I'm like, what are the talking? You know, what do we say normally? Yeah. Like, what are the talking points? <laughs> um, if that was any indication of how um, crazy, <laughs> yeah. I won't say it was crazy, just how different it yeah. was different. Um, for me personally, I had just come from seven years working in government. Yeah. Government is very measured. You know, it's very, um, bureaucratic Mm. like for anything to happen there are so many hoops and processes that you have to go through right so to go from that to philanthropy or or nonprofit where everything is fast-paced like coming at me so fast like wait we didn't need approval for that like just go move 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 um was a hard hard transition Mm. and I like the anxiety was like at an all-time high yeah I also moved during the winter Um, So I had spent the whole summer, like living it up, going to festivals, hanging out with my friends, um, you know, doing summer things, doing hot girl summer things. Yeah. And then, you know, the winter hits and everyone is cold. Like people just don't step out. What? Step out in the cold? Um, So, you know, I was living alone. It was cold. Like my job was uh, very stressful at the time. And um, I was still like, you know, still dealing with the heartbreak of the previous relationship. So it all started to hit me all at once. And I was just like, I'm just like really sad. I, I, you know, I, I can't get out of bed. 
Yeah. I can't eat. I can't sleep. I'm crying all the time. Um, yeah. You know, I just didn't recognize. I felt like I had a, you know, a chemical. I was like, is my brain okay? Yeah. You know, I would go to work and I couldn't even type an email. Wow. Like I, I just, I just couldn't function. You know, I, I was not functioning yeah. at all. Yeah. Wow. And is that what caused you to say, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm going to continue on with this. I need to go look at a different path. Yes. Uh, so I'll fast forward. I ended up like when the pandemic hit, it got like to another level and I just yeah. ended up taking six weeks of disability leave yeah. from work because my anxiety and depression just got so high. Yeah. Um, during that six weeks, I did like intensive um, therapy, but and also went to see a psychiatrist and started taking medication. Mm. At the end of the six weeks, I went back to the philanthropy and I was like, I can do this, you know, because my um, therapist had given me all of these tools and resources yeah. um, to really help me cope. And I felt like I could do it. Mm-hmm. And I got back into it. And then George Floyd happened. Oh. And then like, you know, just different things started happening that I was like, what, Yeah. what is going on? You know, just, I didn't realize how much the external factors were also impacting me. Yeah. Um, and then the, the job also, we started moving and shaking like they, cause the Beaumont prides itself in, um, uh, being disruptors mm. and, you know, we were like, where, where's our space? Um, in the in the response to the pandemic right um you know so uh, we were more busy <laughs> than we were prior yeah. to the pandemic so I was like wait what did I come back to this is right. crazy and the work was awesome like I love all of my colleagues at um the philanthropy they are the most brilliant talented people um ever like to this day I would go back there in a yeah but, but I you know I was <laughs> I love them. They do amazing, awesome work. Um, but at the time, I was just not in a good um, mental space yeah. to work there. And I realized that. And that's when I was like, I need to step away. Like, I'm not really here. I'm really trying, but I'm not functioning. I need to step away and find myself. So, you know, I talked to a lot of people. They're like, wait, what? You don't have a job lined up. Don't quit yet. Don't quit yet. Um, or, you know, really just try to hang it out for a year because my year would have been November. And I was like, okay, fine. I can like, can make it to November. Yeah. But no, I could not make it to November. So in October, 2020, I was like, uh, you know, I, one of my former, well, coworkers, who's now a friend, I consider a friend, Kofi, yeah. we talked about it for like months, <laughs> at least a month. And I was like, you know, on our lunch breaks, we would have like, he was like my therapist. I always looked him up. I'm like, Kofi, God bless you. Yeah. Because he would help me strategize, not strategize, but just think through. He's like, do you really want to quit? Is this something, you know, that you'll feel better over time? Or, you know, are you sure? You know, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? And I was afraid of my reputation. You know, I was afraid of being unemployed. Yeah. Then I felt guilty because I'm like, Pete, that's, we're in a pandemic people don't have jobs and here I am quitting willingly. Right. Um, And then I was ashamed because I'm Nigerian and I need to be a doctor, engineer, or a lawyer to be successful. (laughs) And I had just left CDC. So it's like my family couldn't even brag about me working at CDC. Now they're like, oh, she's at some philanthropy. You know, you know, she's, she's at a philanthropy, but oh wait, now she's unemployed. 
Yeah. Um, then I was like, where, where will I go in the public health space? So, yeah. yeah. Wow. That's so much pressure, you know, and, and you had alluded, alluded to it in your bio, you know, when you're living for everyone else and their thoughts right. and their judgments and what they want you to do, that is like a tremendous amount of pressure, um, and dissatisfaction, you know, especially if it's not what your heart wants, or, you know, right. it's not, it's not feeding you or feeding your soul the way you need it to that. Yeah. I, I and I think that's, that is the majority of people's problem is that, <laughs> you know, is the fear. I have to keep this job. I have to stay on this path. This is security. This is what people want. And, you know, the Indian culture is the same thing. If you're not a doctor, then, you know, you're pretty much nothing. And it's, it's that, that like box that people get put into, whether it's by our family, our culture, our friends, society, right. um, you know, the, the income that we're getting, I, you know, it's, it's like a form of, um, it's like a form oppression. of slavery. Yeah, it really yes, is. Like it's, like, oppression. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And I say it to people all the time. Don't be a slave to all of these things. It's the same thing with the opioid problem. It's being a slave to your addictions. It's right. And, and that's how people get caught up is, is, you know, they, they, either need, they feel they need something. So then they have to do this thing to continue to get that thing that they feel they need, or right. they feel like they're not going to be seen the same or loved the same or looked at the same if they don't do it this way. You know, right. it's, it's a lot of bravery to break out of that and say, no, I need right. to focus on me because whatever is happening right now is not good for me, you know, and you've right. Right. felt it in your own mental health, you know, that it wasn't good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Say it and, and stop it and do what you know is best for you is very, very brave. Yeah. So I, yeah. I really admire you for that because not a lot of people can do that. People go decades. Right. So unhappy. You right. Know, so many. Yeah. Times. yeah. Oh, yeah. thank you. That, that means a lot, but I always say I'm not brave. I just had incredible faith. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like God, you know, deliver God was calling me like, listen, my daughter, yes, you do need to rest. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to have your back. Uh, so I, I did a post about, I think a video about it, like, um, called preparation Yeah. where everyone's like, and I, 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 you know, outline how I quit and like the tools and resources that I had to quit. Um, the first being confirmation from God that everything was going to be okay. Yeah. Um, and I keep like, I'm really blurry but <laughs> oh, yeah it goes in and out of blurriness yeah yeah I um, movie, but I figured it was just you, anytime you move the camera does that yeah um yeah but I think like you said people are addicted to their um uh their drug or opioid I you know I I think that is true but I also think that it's a case and I don't I I am proudly Christian um so you know, if I talk about a lot about God, I, excuse me, but that's, that's <laughs> I think great. that was one of my next questions. Yeah. I, I think that when you recognize who you are in God's eyes, right. Yeah. Then that's when you're able to break free of your addiction, of your, your mental health crisis of whatever. Like I had to, I got to that point. I would say, you know, after my first initial mental health breakdown, I was like on fire for God. And I was like, yes, I know who I am. 
and that's a, that's how I describe myself. The first thing I am is I'm a daughter, child of God. You know, like I'm a child of God because I recognize who I am in His image. I was created in His image, and then everything else just falls to the wayside. Um, um, so, like I'm stronger than my depression. I'm stronger than my anxiety. I have you know, depression and anxiety from time to time, but that is not who I am. Same with anyone suffering from an addiction. You know, you're, they are stronger than their addiction. It's yeah. just, a, a, you know, about that they're going through right now. And, you know, God is going in due time. Yeah. You know, sometimes as family members or loved ones, we get frustrated, like, why can't you break this, you know? Um, but in due time, they're going to come out of it. Um, and the, the community around them just has to keep loving on them, keep supporting them. Don't get frustrated. Keep praying for them um, and they'll come out of it. That's so good. Where do you think you got your, uh, where were, when were you first introduced to God and your, your faith? Did that come from family or did it come from MHS or mm -hmm. later in life? Oh, it came from fam definitely family and MHS. Um, but my mom and my dad actually, um, have really strong faith. And I, I have seen my mom battle some, you know, go through some of the, the worst battles and her faith remains steadfast. And I'm like, I want to be like you, you know? Um, so, and then I've also been blessed and fortunate to be surrounded by a lot of faith-filled individuals from every every place I've ever lived. I've just met like brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. Um, so that like keeps me going and motivated. That's so mm -hmm. good. Yeah. It's funny because, um, faith for me is very, very big too. Um, I think honestly, everybody, everybody needs a relationship with God because I think that's, that's like the foundation. Uh, mm -hmm. I grew up Muslim. So, mm -hmm. um, and I was a really devout Muslim, very devout. I mean, I prayed five times a day, um, I wanted to be just like my mom, you know, the only yeah. thing I didn't do was like cover with the hijab and stuff, but going to Milton Hershey was such a culture shock there too, because, you know, it was Christian based. Um, so of course, when I was praying in my room, people thought it was so weird and you know, what the heck is going on? And I was bullied a lot for it. Uh, all the way into college, I prayed wow. five times a day and everything. Um, and, and, and then I had like a, I had a lot of traumatic things that was happening, you know, and mm -hmm. it was all happening then. And then things from the past were just all catching up. And a lot of it just created like a disconnect, almost like mm -hmm. a percent for God, mm -hmm. you know, for religion, for everything that I had put into it. And, and, you know, what am I getting back except more trauma and all this right. family's going through. So then I, for like maybe four years, five, six years, um, I was like, I, I believe in God. I'm not an atheist or anything, but I have no religion. Um, religion is man-made and, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to take a break from you, God, you know? Yeah. I also, well, so, like, yeah. Yeah. So then, um, I met my husband, you know, he was my boyfriend at that time. We met in Florida. Um, and, you know, he was Christian, but we didn't really talk about it much or anything. And then, you know, we moved in together to California and um, we got married and everything. And then even for the marriage, for the wedding, I was like, you know, no, no preacher or anything like that, you know, <laughs> make this non-denominational, you know, and his mom, very devout Christian, strong Christian. She even wrote a book 
about her testimony. And her oh, wow. God. Yeah. And um, never once did she judge me for being Muslim. Never once did she even question it. Um, even if we were to bring it up, it was never to like question me or to like try to bring me over to her side. Yep. Chris never did ever. He even invited me to church a couple times and I started going with him and I told him, you know, just as long as these people don't try to convert me, like I've been through that right. times, you know, and um, they, they didn't. And during this whole time though, I was watching Chris and he just started to get more and more close to God as he got mm -hmm. older, you know, mm -hmm. had to, had that need. And I was watching him and I was watching his mom. She had MS, she had cancer three times. And still, like you said, she was steadfast and would always just have this like hope, you know, and this peace. And mm -hmm. I was always very like, um, I was always like envious of it. Like, man, I want this peace. Yes. I have this peace, you know, like I, I didn't have this peace you know, praying as a Muslim, because a lot of it was very fear-based. You need to pray five times a day, you know? And um, if you don't, I couldn't even sleep, you know? It was a lot of anxiety around it. Um, mm -hmm. And we had been going to this church for like a year. And um, during these whole four to, five to six years that I had, you know, no faith, um, I would always still pray in my head, like, God, I feel lost. You know, what the mm -hmm. heck happened to me? I used to have such a belonging. You know, now I just feel completely lost. I don't know where to go. I need you to send me a, a sign or a rope. You know, I'm just in a dark place. And mm -hmm. um, I always get choked up when I say this. But um, okay. what's so crazy is the pastor at this church for like the whole year, he would always do like the altar call, you know, right. normal altar call. And um, one day he was doing this altar call and he just kept going like 15 minutes. And he's like, you know, I'm not going to stop. If you guys need to go home, that's fine. You guys can go ahead and go home. Don't feel bad, but I'm just going to keep on going. I feel like there's someone in the room right now who's really wow. lost, you know, and you're asking for a rope and you're asking for a sign. And, you know, this is your sign. You know, this is your rope. And he said rope, you know, I do, and I would always say rope. And uh, he had never wow. said that before. And it, I was like looking at Chris and I'm like, this is so weird. And I no. was against it, but at the same time, I was just so like moved uh, by him saying this. And like, I, I was almost like God in my head. When people say like, God talked to me, I would always be like, that's weird. But it was weird because God in my head was like, this is your robe, Zara. And I'm, I'm giving you the sign that you've been asking for, you know? Right. So walked up there. I didn't even check with Chris. I just, I just stood up and walked up. And you know, I I, I accepted Christ and, oh, and it God was bless so you. unbelievable. Yeah. And I knew in my head, I was like, this isn't like magic, you know. I know this is gonna be such a a still a work ahead of me, you know, to, right. to learn and maintain this, but obviously God is sending me a sign and I need to listen, you know. Right. So I went and sat back down with Chris. He was just looking at me like he was in disbelief, you know, that that this was even happening, but a lot of it was seeing, like seeing his level of faith and his peace yes. that I had always wanted, you know, and right. when it happened and then after the fact, now I'm like, I'm, it's a constant work in progress, you know, right. still now I watch him. He does his daily devotions. He constantly reads out of the Bible. When we have stress in our lives and in our business, 
I'm the one that's like, oh, I'm so scared. Fear, fear, fear. <laughs> right, right. It's like, we just got to pray about it, babe. You know, God. That's God me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I literally find a little bit of peace through his peace. It's, it's right. yeah. Right. So, to hear you oh. say that reminds me so much of, of him and, and my mom-in-law and it, and it constantly feeds me hope you know yeah. to not still have that at that level you still feel this like need for more peace but to see it in other people it's like keeps feeding you that hope that you need you know yeah oh yeah. my goodness I love it thank you so yeah. much for sharing that you yeah. have a thank testimony you. where's your yeah. book yeah <laughs> one day one day <laughs> yeah yeah and you know what I say I agree with you I don't believe in religion um because um and I I know, so, you know, it's very controversial, but I also consider my, I'm a Christian, but I'm like non-denominational Yeah. Um, because, um, you know, religion was used to justify slavery. You know, religion has been used to justify some of the most heinous acts in society. Yeah. Um, so I do not believe in religion. I also celebrate all of my friends and loved ones who, who practice other faiths yeah. um, because, you know, I believe, you know, whatever higher, I don't want to convert, you know, I don't want to push it too much. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you are, you know, praying to, there's a higher being, you yeah. know, we are all of the same understanding that there is a higher being. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, celebrate my loved ones of different faiths. Yeah. I still will celebrate my love for God. Um, but I also don't like knock them down yeah. um, for their own faith. Yeah. And I, um, also don't believe like it gets like let me not get into like lgbtq you know because i religion will have you you know this person you know oh my Don't goodness you your own yeah and there's yeah that's bad abortion yeah. is bad you know yeah. religion is what created the the insurrection the red what's it called insurrection at the white house you know yeah. like people feeling like the past president was um the savior that was coming to save America. Yeah. Um, so I I celebrate love. Yeah. And um, having a personal relationship with Christ. Yeah. Um, so you know I will be honest. I'm I'm not like in the Bible every single day. You know sometimes um, I miss a few days or yeah. you know I don't like do my devotionals. You know um, yeah. every single day. But yeah. for for me, I feel like God knows your heart. God yeah. knows your spirit. And for me, I think praise and worship is what, like, I, I'm definitely, what I love my pastor. I love Union Church, Pastor Stephen Chandler. Yeah. Um, I am listening to praise. I'm filling my home with worship music, yeah. filling my home with praise music. And that is what keeps me grounded Yeah. because no one can come say anything negative to me. You know, sometimes I do get like low. Yeah. But for the past four months, I have been on the most incredible high because yeah. like my spirit is just filled with God and I am professing it loud yeah. um, and boldly um, at work, on LinkedIn, yeah. on my social media, like everywhere that I can. Yeah. Um, and then people are just like, wow, like, how do you have like, how can you be so calm in this situation? Yeah. And I'm yeah. just like, oh, it's God. You know, it's God. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it is. It's incredible. It really is incredible that, that, and that's what 
Chris always tells me, he's like, you know, just keep asking God for peace, you know, that mm-hmm. just keep asking him for peace and it's going to come. And I'm like, yeah, you know, and there is no, there is no handbook. There's no playbook right. of being the best Christian, you know, like it's, it's, it really is. Like you said, your personal relationship, God, God sees what's in your heart, not just right. all the little tasks that you're doing, you know, right. he sees what's in your heart, you know, what you need, what you, what you, talk to him about you know right yeah Yeah. it's it's your personal relationship but it's also you being salt to the earth right it's like you being light um so how how do you operate in the world how are you giving back like the way jesus give gave back and loved even the back like he calls the last one you know like even the person the least of who the least i put that in air quotes um of them like he calls them and he qualifies them um, so how do we show and exhibit that love to others? Yeah. Um, let's not tear each other down based on our race, based on our religion, based on our sexual orientation, based on whether or not we had an abortion. Like, what? don't let me get started because I get so frustrated with selective Christianity. Yeah. Like, you know, he who ca- who has the, who has the first, sin- what is this phrase? Yeah, <laughs> the, the Bible verse. Own, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then also the one with the plank in the eye or, or right. Yeah. Right. yeah. And it's so true. Yeah. 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 So don't, don't be all high and mighty that you, you know, oh my goodness, I, you know, abortion is bad. So blah, blah, blah. Let me yeah. not get started because yeah. <laughs> then people will hear how I really feel. I feel like, um, we are meant to have a personal relationship with God, whoever, higher being. And we're also meant to love each other unconditionally and the world would be a better, a much better place. Much better place. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. The things that we've, you know, we've made our own to, to hate and judge and, you know, create status on. Right. It's weird because we were, it's, we were created to fellowship and work together. You know, that's when humans thrive the most Yes. together and then that's when they when humanity starts to like fall apart is when people start to work against each other it's yeah. like a natural path i don't know why people become against it for after a while it's the way of the world yeah and that's what it is i think people become too worldly and they mm-hmm. figure out you know the one thing we should be focused on and it's not anything of this world you know right right we need we need a separate podcast like yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) milks like you know faith-filled milks you know i I don't know what (laughs) yes yeah yeah that would actually be really good because i think a lot of milks need need something they need a foundation i talk a lot about you know milks who have graduated and have gone back into the trauma and the poverty and the troubles that they came from before mhs and then their suicide drug addiction dying from those things violence all this stuff that that plagues a lot of milts and so if they were to have angie and i did like a webinar uh, for mental health if they were to have more mental health resources more mental health networking and now more spiritual health networking and spiritual health um information those are the two things that would create that foundation for them after graduation, right. you know? Right, right. And also Maybe one of the your next thing. Oh yeah. Well, I want to do something for mental health month. 
um, yeah. next month. Yeah. Um, so let me know if, yes. if you want to partner on anything. That I would, would love to. Amazing. Yeah. Let's what okay. We'll definitely we'll definitely talk about it and do something. I'm all about action. So I love that. I'll start to brainstorm something. See if Angie wants to come in on it too. Yeah, and and um Alfonso to yeah. get the male perspective. Um yeah. he was on the last been... one. Yeah, he was on the last one. Yeah. Okay. And, Wait, um, is it a series? Uh, it was, it was a series. It was like a webinar and it had like four, it, it had like four episodes. Yeah, I know. I, we had, we even started um, a mental health um, group. Uh, it was um, Milt Talk Mental Health on Facebook. Um, what? What happened to that? I'm going to, it's still there. Yeah, it's still there. Angie, Angie is managing it. Um, what? It's good, yeah, it's just a good group you know, for Milts to be able to talk just mental health. I'm going to invite you to it right now. Um, but it's so good. It's so good. So for next okay. month, yeah, we should absolutely do, do, um, and, um, uh, Johnny Alexander was the other, uh, male panelist on that. Yeah. Is Johnny a therapist as well? Yeah. He's, a, he's, a, he's, he's in the, he's in the industry. He's a, I think he's licensed now, licensed counselor now. Okay. Um, I don't know well, how, how far licensed he is, but yes. <laughs> yep, he was a counselor. Yeah. Okay, I can bring the perspective from an advocate because I'm not a counselor. Yeah. So yeah, I'll bring the- Like the host, yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah we need more of it because I, MILTs aren't talking about it enough. You right, know, the rate right. of suicide, the rate of MILT suicide is, it's, it's mm. scary. It, it breaks right. my heart. It's way too much. It really right. is too much. Yeah. So do you think we could talk with um, the administration? Like maybe we could do something because is this Milt's Talk Mental Health an alumni group? Mostly alum? Mostly alumni. Yeah. Okay. And I think Angie, um, Angie is so good at what she does. It is mm -hmm incredible like listening yeah. to her blew my mind and her and I were in the same student home of course she was younger than me um and then to hear her now and as an adult like she and I've been in therapy I've had several different therapists as a, yeah. as a young person and as an adult and I can say out, out of all maybe 15 of that I've had two I've ever said wow this person is so knowledgeable and so good and Angie was one of them and another wow. therapist that I had. Yeah. So it, yeah. for me to say that is like big because I've, I've seen so many of, of, of great calibers too, but they're like to, for a therapist to have that thing, you know, right. hard, you know, and she has that thing. It's crazy. And so I told her, you know, you need to start talking to the school because the school. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. They yeah. need to have her. Yes. And I think yeah. she is. I think she's in the works of, of doing something with them. Yeah. I don't know but, how, how far they went with it, but we can absolutely continue to uh, speak with them and speak with the administration to yeah. get something more solidified and in yep. place for, right. for current students and for and the alum. Yes. And alum. Yeah. Um, I feel like they've invited Alfonso to speak multiple times. Yeah, good, good. Um, but if we can even, do, maybe he even has something planned for them. He's busy, he's booked yeah. and busy. Yeah, um, yeah he's maybe, on the podcast, I think um, in May at some some point, I forget the date, but he's gonna, I'm gonna interview him on the podcast. Oh, nice, yeah. 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 
if we could get like the school to do a webinar or an assembly that features all like do the same plant panel type presentation yeah that you all did with a series for mental health month yes I think that would be awesome yeah and, and Troy Scott do you know Troy Scott I do yeah yeah like he got them to light up the the um dome green was it oh, I didn't know that he got them to light up the dome in honor of mental health awareness. Wow. That's um, so I feel like with all the connections that we have, yeah. um, Troy, and then Troy Scott is another male, right? Yeah. We would have three men, Johnny, Troy, um, Alfonso, and yeah. you, Angie, and I. Yes. Um, you know, gives a balanced perspective. Phenomenal. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I have all those episodes recorded, so I'll send them to you so, so you can hear all the stuff we talked about because so much of it was so good it was so oh, yeah good. A lot of it was I was like the upbringing of Milton Hershey and how that upbringing translates into who we are now as as an adult we talked about toxic relationships self-worth so many good things oh I think the key is the ongoingness of it just a constant right. resource a constant thing for milts for alumni to be able to come back to well, it could be like Milk Talk Mental Health Mondays. Every yeah. Monday, we're coming out with a new topic yes. featuring one of us. Maybe there's a guest like speaker or yes. you know someone sharing their mental health journey who went yes. through the who who went to the milk. So it's bringing in fresh perspectives, but keeping the conversation going. If it yes. even if it, like every Monday might be too much, we could do every other Monday. Yeah. Um, but I feel like Monday is a day that not a lot, of, there aren't a lot of things going on. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, a, you know. That would be so good. I say yeah. we do it. Let's, we'll I, I yeah. start talking about it more and brainstorming and putting something together like a good action plan. Mm -hmm. Yay. Yeah. So yeah. let's go back to you now. <laughs> so you just- Wait, hold on, where were we in the interview? <laughs> I know we went, we went way, way left, but it was still so good because people need to hear all of this. Um, so we went to, um, you were at the philanthropy business or the nonprofit, and then you decided, you know, I think I need to take time away. I'm going to quit my dream job. And that was October of 2020. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then you, you, you had like four months, you said of like that stillness time of reflection. Yeah. Is that when you, is that when you started to come up with the ideas for your business? Uh, well, I've had the ideas for a while. Well, no, like really flush them out. Yeah. Um, I say four months and in my, in my YouTube video preparation, I talk about how the first month, literally all I did was stay in my bed and cry. Oh. Um, because I was still adjusting with who, like where I was in life, like, yeah. oh crap, I just quit my job. I don't have anything lined up. What am I going to do with my life? Uh, you know, and then God told me to get up. <laughs> yeah. It was like, get up. You know, then I started doing the things that I, I was trying to figure out like, who is Abby? Um, because my therapist would ask me that in our session, she'd be like, you know, journal like what do you like to do and I'm like I don't remember what I like to do you I couldn't answer that um so I had to rediscover who I was um and I was like okay I like to run you know I like to hike I remember when I lived in Atlanta um one of my close friends Alia and I you two would get along really well um we uh would go on a different hike every weekend together we were like exploring all of Atlanta together I miss her so much yeah um so I would just hike 
And then I would run and then I, would, I started playing gospel music. I started, you know, reconnecting to and rebuilding my relationship with God. Yeah. I was like visiting my sisters a lot more. I was hanging out more with friends. Um, I started dating. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is fun. This is interesting. Pandemic dating. That's another <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh very interesting yeah yeah Yeah. i i since now i'm currently in a relationship i met my partner reggie like a month ago and he was awesome yeah um but yeah the stories that i have for you (laughs) before (laughs) i met reggie yeah um are hilarious yeah um yeah so you know i just eventually got back to myself and i was like oh i'm gonna like pursue this business yeah um so that's when i bought the domain you know I, I had had the domain like www.livewithoutapologies for five years wow I had the domain wow. <laughs> I had just never built out a website yeah um, wow yeah so I was like let me apply for my business license let me apply for my tax ID yeah. um you know and then I got connected you know I praise God for milks because I got connected well I used to date Brian de Jesus uh-huh. back in high school and we reconnected yeah and we reconnected over Facebook and he's like you know how's life I'm telling him everything that's going on I'm like I just quit my job you know yeah. I'm thinking of starting this business and he was like you know he's encouraging me he's motivating me um then he's like you know I want to come visit like I need a break from New Hampshire yeah I'm gonna come down I was like oh you, you're coming for real yeah. and he's like yeah I'll be there I was like, wait, what? You're coming for real? And he really came. Yeah. And then he was like, what, what's your idea? Where's your logo? You know, what do you have going on? And I was like, oh, well, this is my logo. And he was like, I'm going to put it on a shirt for you. And I was like, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> um, so he's like, yeah, Jason. Yeah. De Jesus. Brother, yep. Yeah. Has this print, you know, you know, my yep. brothers, you know, this is what they do. We're, we're going to, let me, let me surprise you. I'm going to bring it in a shirt. Aww. So it started. I want to create a meme, like how it started, how it's going. Yeah. It started as living unapologetically. And that's the shirt that Brian brought for me when he came down to visit. Yeah. And I was like amazed. I was like, it looks so good. Um, and then I, I was like, we need to fix it though. So we shortened it to live. Uh-huh. And then I, um, I was like, Brian, for me, I'm a very tangible, vis- I'm almost about to cry. Like I'm a tangible visual person. Yeah. And when Brian brought the shirt, then I was like, this is real. Yeah. Like I can actually do this. So Brian was like, let's make it happen. Put in your first order. So I ordered a hundred shirts from Jason. Yeah. And I was like, I just want to make a thousand dollars. Like I want to see if the concept is even real and it has taken off. Like it has taken off. A lot of people are resonating with the message. Um, And it's not even about me because I ask everyone who wears the shirt to send me a photo and to tell me how you're living your life unapologetically. Like it's it's truly a lifestyle brand. Yeah. And like, I just want people to, I just want everyone to take their power back. I just want everyone to live their lives that they, the way that they want to live. And um, I get choked up like when I get the stories back some people are like wow Abby like I'm going to share this with you I have never shared this with anyone yet you know it's it's giving people their voice yeah and then my my 
you know, my brand is just a platform for you to share your voice. And then I'm giving you courage yeah. to live out your life the way that you want to live out your life. Yeah. Uh, but I, I thank God every day for Brian and Jason, just every, every mill who's ever encouraged me. Um, even my friends here, like Caitlin, Keisha, Lethia, um, Crystal, Miani, Angela, like, um, at, like I have a whole milk network yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and also, um, you know, my friends outside of the milk, they're like, what is the milk, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, outside I, I, to initially market it, I gave like 30 of my closest friends. I wrote them an email and I was like, guys, I'm doing something like I have this business idea. I've had it for five years. I'm going to send you all a free shirt. Yeah. And because I love you all. Thank you. So, Cause they had all supported me through the like eight months of depression, suicidality. That's a whole nother yeah. issue. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, I'm celebrating life. I appreciate, and I love you all so much. I'm sending you all a free shirt. Here are the colors. Let me know what color you want. The only thing I ask is if you feel comfortable, send me a picture and send me how you are living your life unapologetically. So that's how I started my marketing. It was free marketing, you know? Yeah. And some people were like, you're crazy. You're, you just paid for all those shirts and you're giving away 30 of them. And yeah. I was like, you don't trust, you know, I'm going to sit back and let God work, you know, yeah. trust me, trust me. Yeah. Um, so then my friends started sending their stories and they are so powerful, like they're powerful stories. So I started posting them on social media and everyone is like, wow, like I want to share it. Like, yeah. wait, wait. And I'm like, oh, you're moving too quick. Like yeah. I don't have my website up yet. I am yeah. still building this, you know, building this from the ground up. I literally just launched this business in January, 2021. Yeah. So, you know, I'm blown away. And then yeah. I, I, I was getting more active on social media. And if people know me, they know that I'm a quiet person. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm never on social media. Yeah. If you go back and scroll through my personal page, you will see that in 2019, I probably posted maybe 10 times. Wow. <laughs> and in, in 20 and in 2020, I probably posted maybe 10 times. Yeah. But in 2021, Abby's posting every day. So people are like, are you okay? Because I posted like, I posted about my mental health journey at the start of the business. Yeah. Um, so I think people were like, wow, is she okay? Like she's always posting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, oh yes, there's a method to my madness. Yeah, like, right. Listen, I'm marketing, I'm promoting my business, I'm networking, yeah. I'm making connections. Um, so it's just been an awesome journey thus yeah. far. Uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. I have not yet officially launched. I had planned to launch on my birthday, but I think you followed my social media yeah. drama about what happened with that. So, so now I've reopened pre-orders yeah. um, through April, the end of April. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's the fact that you took those shirts and said 30 of these, I'm going to give out free to all of my friends and people have supported me in exchange for some marketing, if they feel comfortable, is actually the smartest thing an entrepreneur can do. I mean, all, every entrepreneur has given out free product, free yeah. samples, free something in exchange for uh, word of mouth, someone just trying it to see if they like it to then get a repeat customer. Um, right. it, it is the, it is a perfect 101 approach to getting your stuff out there. So anyone right. who says, you know, you're crazy, blah, 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 they just don't understand 
entrepreneurship and what it takes, you know, sometimes you got to give to receive. And that is one of the best things that you could have done. And also to, for it to be such a great marketing, you know, way to get more branding done for you, you know, right. And who right. does who doesn't really want to share their story once they feel comfortable enough to, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. That is to create that that platform and then that comfortability to be able to say, hey, you know, here's what I've done, you know, here's my story. And I would love it if you would share your story to then help the next person. Right, right. And the stories have been so, so rich and diverse. Well, one thing I'll say is that my friends are just too awesome. Some people refused to refuse the free shirt. They were like, how much are the shirts? I will send you, you know, I'm going to pay for my shirt. I'm like, no, you don't have to, but if you really want to, you know, know, this is how much they are. Um, um, But the stories have been so diverse. I ask people to share how you live your life unapologetically in any area or aspect of your life. It can be um, mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, relationally, spiritually. So I've received a lot of very diverse stories. Um, One of my friends from college, um, I ran track with her and she just posted about, you know, how she was a new, is a new mom and the struggles that she had with postpartum depression and becoming a new mom. Wow. Um, I've had a lot of my my, um, fellow, um, you know, immigrant American friends talk about the pressures that we have on our lives um, culturally and how we are no longer apologizing for, you know, giving, for doing what we want to do. You know, we're doing it in a respectful way. Um, I also had to clarify my message because when you hear live without apologies, you know, for some people in the older generation, they're like, hold on, you're walking around living without apologies. You're being reckless. You are, um, you know, not apologizing if you offend anyone. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like my brand is all about positivity. Yeah. Um, we we promote love, never hate. Yeah. Um, living unapologetically is about living fearless. Yeah. It's about walking in faith. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about living, you know, your authentic life. You're, yeah. you're living in your authentic self. Um, if I do offend someone or if, you know, I'm never doing anything offending you intentionally. Yeah. And if I do offend you, I will apologize. You know, I'm not going to be sticking by my brand, live without apologies. If I do offend you, I will apologize. Right. Um, but I am viewing live without apologies as living fearless. Yeah. Um, so, so that's the distinction when I get some, when I get clarifying questions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What do you think is the overall vision for this business? Yeah, so I have a grand vision. Um, the t-shirts are just my first way of monetizing the brand, right? Um, I would love to be a life coach. Um, I am great at active listening and I think I'm also great at giving advice. Um, I would love to write a book one day. Mm. I will be working on that very soon. I already put it in the atmosphere that it's coming out in 2022. So I need to get get ready. Um, I would love to have a consulting business um, to help organizations address. um, I think my niche would be working with organizations to address the mental health needs of their workforce. 
Wow. Um, I would also love to do more speaking engagements. Um, I think I told you I had a vision for, from God, or I put it out there, affirmation, manifestation, that I'm going to speak on five podcasts this year. Yes. Um, you are my number two. So <laughs> awesome. whoever is out there listening, if yeah. you have connections, um, you I need to make it to lucky number five. Uh, I would also like to be on a national television program this year. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I could be on a local news network. Yeah. That, that would still count. I could be on CNN. That would be great. I could be on, um, you know, um, what's my show? Hada and Jenna. <laughs> the Today Show. Yeah, they have their own special hour. Or um, Tamron Hall. Okay. I'm calling people out. Ellen, invite me. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, so I have a grand vision to like expand the brand. Um, I'm just starting with the t-shirts. Yeah, that's the start small. <laughs> and that's totally okay. And, and it's, uh, and it's, the key is you just keep building that brand and then everything that falls under that brand is of that caliber and of that quality. People yeah. recognize the brand and they like it, then they will like everything that goes underneath it because they like you, they like your brand. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. so good. And it's Aww, awesome that you. you have all these very specific, clear vision <laughs> goals. Yeah, like this, uh, that's so, like with such specificity, that it's so important to be very clear down to the date and the description of your vision and your goals, yeah. Yeah, God says, you know, pray specific, pray specific prayers. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. So do you think you always knew you were going to be an entrepreneur or, or do you think you decided that later in life? I definitely decided it later in life. Um, I didn't realize, you know what I, when I reflect on it, I learned it from my dad. Mm. Um, so my dad is like entrepreneur extraordinaire. Wow. Like, um, and he would always tell us like, you know, don't sleep the day away. Like he worked <laughs> so hard when we were younger. He, um, he, he's a chef by training. So he had his own catering business yeah. and then he got a food truck. Um, so he would cater oh. a lot and he would, you know, make us work on his food truck. And we were so angry. We were like, <laughs> why are we working on your food truck? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, we want to go play, but he would be like, no, come with me. Like you, you, who's, who's on the fryer, who's yeah. taking orders, who's counting money. Yeah. Um, y'all, can you help me design my business card? And we'd be like, why are we doing all of this? Yeah. I, you know, in hindsight, that is all entrepreneurship. Yes. Um, but I didn't realize what he was teaching us. You know, yeah. we just thought that it was, you know, we were being punished. Yeah. Or, you know, why is he using us again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's 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 funny because now now that you're on your entrepreneurial journey all that that he's taught you that was somewhere in your subconscious and it's, and you're going to see all these other little things are going to start coming out that you didn't even know you knew from him that right. you start to be able to implement in your business yeah yeah because, and it's that's so crucial that you had that opportunity to have learned so many different things that you knew or now you're going to know that you didn't know you knew you know right because a lot of times people say you're either born an entrepreneur or you're not. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is in your blood. A lot of it right. is what you've seen growing up, whether you right. do it or not. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so good. Is he, is he, is he excited 
about this about this journey for you or what what was his what was his thoughts on it when you told him oh yeah he's excited he's yeah. excited now that he understands the concept yeah <laughs> at first there was like a little bit of fear like what are you gonna leave this for that right well well yeah. you know i'm still i am not a i'm not a full-time oh i guess i'm a full-time entrepreneur but i also have a full-time day job yeah um yeah i work um I don't want to say where I work, but I work for the government. But let me I'm not come get me. I'm on my lunch break. I'm on my lunch break. <laughs> yeah. How funny. And you know, that helps that to have that opportunity is is very helpful because it kind of alleviates a lot of the monetary stress that comes mm -hmm. with you gotta make money, you gotta make money, you gotta make money, you know. But right. it could also be a double-edged sword. So just keep that in mind. Sometimes it could be like that. Um, I, I call it your cow, like it constantly gives you milk, you know, so, right. and then when you're ready to finally say, you know what, I'm going to go all in risk it all. You, you got to kill the cow, you know, oh. no more milk, you know, and then boom, all the milk that you get is now from this entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. I have a timeline and a vision for that yeah. yeah. Now take full advantage of being able to have this while you're building this. Cause yeah. that is, that's a big advantage. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, so good. Okay. So let me see what other question I want to ask you. I have so many, it's ridiculous. <laughs> the the self-development one, that's the one I really wanted to get to. What type of self-development are you doing and how often are you doing it? Self-development. Self-care. Self oh, self-care. Yeah. Yeah. I have a long list of self-care yeah. things. Um, Mostly like I have a schedule, like a very detailed schedule that I try to stick by. Like I get up, I pray, I listen to my worship music. I work out when I can um, because I need those turtle abs and big booty, just a little yeah. booty. Um, I, uh, I go to work, <laughs> work on my business on my lunch break. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I am still hanging out with friends and family. I am doing the activities that I love to do, like I mentioned before, like hiking. Yeah. Um, now that, you know, outside is open and the streets are calling our name, um, I'm traveling. I just came back from Costa Rica. Um, I, you know, have all these trips planned in the future. I'm like, ooh, festivals might be a thing. Concerts yeah. might be a thing again. I can go to some games, you know? Yeah. So I like to do all of that. I like to um, just be light, airy, have fun. Um, one of my loves is Issa Rae. So I, I, I feel like Issa Rae, like her portrayal of um, uh, Issa <laughs> on Insecure is my real life. <laughs> yeah and also when I first was introduced to her from the awkward black girl I was like wow someone made a you know a show about me yeah uh, because if you like people who knew me in high school probably knew me as Abby the athlete you know yeah. right. um Abby the track star yeah. you know so I'm just like guys like there's I am multi-dimensional like yeah. yes I'm fast like yes I can run fast I was um, in the Spartan Hall of Fame for both track and field hockey. I'm athletic. Um, but I also, you know, sometimes I like to downplay that. I'm just like, no, like I have, I'm beauty, brains, yeah. whatever, you know, right. and an athlete. Right. Um, because, you know, I just, 
I I like to stress that I'm multidimensional. Yes, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I'm doing a lot of things um, for self care and oh, journaling, meditation. Oh, journaling, yeah. Um, yeah, also very important. Um, and then now, you know, with my healthy relationship, I'm just I'm just in a very good place. Yeah. Um, but what I like to say is that I'm not glamorizing this moment. Yeah. Um, because. I understand that life is cyclical, right? And it comes back, like, there will be highs, there will be lows. And um, what I've learned now is the coping mechanisms that I can implement to help me get through those lows. Um, So I'm well aware that, you know, my life is not going to be quote unquote perfect. You know, I'm going to have challenges. I've I've had a lot of challenges. since I started my business and since I've been on this high. Um, but I've learned to cope with that. Like, you know, I always do a mental reset every morning. Um, just like, okay, I'm going to start the day. I'm going to speak life over the day. I'm going to start the day with positivity. Whatever thing happened yesterday that like made me stressed, made me anxious, like I'm leaving that behind with yesterday and I'm starting today afresh. Um, so that's the mindset that I'm trying to move and operate and walk in. Absolutely. Yes. That's so good because yesterday is baggage, you know, right. every day is a new day. That is so good. I'm going to mentally keep that note in my own head. <laughs> a lot of times we could still be so caught up on yesterday, two years ago, 20 years right. ago, and we need to just let it go. Yeah. Right. Wow. Let it go. Yeah. That's Issa coming out. I yes. don't rap. I don't rap like Issa. I just <laughs> I, I sing songs with the same word. Yes. There you go. <laughs> so what two pieces of advice do you think you would give someone else starting their entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, I would say the first advice is to just start. Um Like I mentioned in my bio, I had perfection paralysis for five years. So imagine, you know, I don't want to go back in the past, but imagine if I would have started five years ago, like where I could have been now. Um, Just start, even if you feel like you're not ready to start, even if you feel like you still need to learn, like I'm learning so much, networking and connecting with people. I... um, I'm just, I'm just like in a student mode, you know, and it's, it's great to be in the student mode, to be learning, to be connecting. There's a lot I don't know. I'm also giving myself grace um, for the things that I don't know and for the timelines that I set up for myself that are just my arbitrary timelines. And I'm yeah. just like, oh my goodness. Like, for example, I wanted to launch my business, officially launch it on my birthday. I missed that. Yeah. And I was beating myself up. And then my friend was like, girl, like, look at all that you've accomplished since January yeah. and you're crying because you can't, you know, open your website yeah. <laughs> in, in April. I was like, okay, fine, fine. Let me, let me reflect. <laughs> let me give myself grace. Um, and you know, let me move forward and just take this as a lesson learned. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing I would say is trust your gut. Like yeah. I have had so yeah. many people say, you know, have you thought about this? Maybe you should do it this way. You know, yes. are you coming out with a different color? Are you going to do this? Everyone will have an idea for yes. your business, how you should operate, you know, what you should do. You know, and sometimes, sometimes there'll be great ideas. It's like, yeah. wow, that is, that's very insightful. I never thought about that. Yeah. Other times I think 
it just shows how excited people are yeah. for you. So I take it as like, okay, you're excited. You're excited with me. I'm yeah. taking you on this journey with me. Yeah. Um, but if this doesn't fit your vision, don't allow it to influence you. Like don't get stressed out by it. Yes. Um, is what I would say. Yes, absolutely. Trusting yourself is key. It's mm-hmm. so key. Yeah. Trusting yourself to take risks, trusting yourself to fail and get right. back again. You know, it's all key. It's it's that feeling of self-worth and and I can come out of this no matter what. Even if the outcome right. is not what I planned, I know I trust myself enough that I've learned and then I'm gonna go and make it better. Yeah, right, so right. good. And giving yourself yeah. grace. I mm-hmm. think we could be so hard on ourselves. And it really yeah. God gives us grace. So right. much grace, you know. Most of the time we're not even worthy of it or or like a lot of times that's what I tell myself, God, I, I don't even know how you keep giving me grace because I know I <laughs> don't deserve it, you know, but he just keeps on giving it to us. And it teaches us that we are deserving of it. Truly. We are wor- worthy of it. So we have to believe in that our own selves. It's like having your self-compassion. You right. Know, you, right. You got to love yourself no matter h- how much of the things about yourself you don't like, you got to right. feel compassionate towards yourself and give yourself grace for that. So that's, that's so good. Um, um, how do you think, how do you think your upbringing at MHS impacted you now as a working adult? As a working adult? Um, mm, that's a good question. I think it definitely impacted my love and passion for service. Mm. Um, yeah. So I'm all about service and helping others and giving back and community. Yeah. I think those are like the themes that I learned the most from MHS, you know, not only from our founder, you know, yeah. um, Catherine, I'll say Catherine first, yeah. um, Catherine and Milton Hershey, yeah. um, but also from everyone who worked at the school, you know, yeah. the, the teachers, the um, supports, the house parents, yeah. the support system that we had, um, uh, you know, I call out the Alessis because they were like family to me. Oh, yeah. um, I call out Gal because track was so instrumental in my life. Um, and, um, you know, Gal was a coach. We butted heads a little bit when I first started my freshman year, but we got really, really close. Yeah. Um, and I'm calling him out now because I was so embarrassed. I was inducted into um, the Spartan Hall of Fame. Yeah. And I was so nervous. Um, because I was inducted for both sports, track and field hockey. Yeah. I gave a whole speech and didn't even mention Gal, my coach, <laughs> my head coach. I'm thanking all these other coaches. Gal comes up to me. He's like, that was a great speech. Yeah. Um, what happened? I was like, wait, what? <laughs> he was like, I just want you to go back and listen to it. So I went back and listened to it. I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. I didn't even thank you, gal. I'm so sorry. Yeah. So if he is listening to this, I am publicly thanking you yeah. um, for everything that oh, you know wow. he uh, instilled in me. I think we worked great together as a yeah. coach athlete. And he, he taught me a lot about discipline because I was high and mighty. Um, my freshman year, you know, Candace, Candace and Ashley were like, the bomb yeah. and I was like oh I'm close to Candace you know I'm yeah. I'm I'm the you know I'm the next big thing and I had my head my head was like a balloon yeah and um gal brought me back um to earth <laughs> yeah and he was like you need to humble yourself you know you still oh, have to work yeah. just as hard um 
Gal and Smitty. Smitty, um, Smitty helped me run my fastest time in high school. I remember he bribed me with some food, with like some Chinese food after yeah. the race. So I was just like, you guys are like, I, I really appreciate them. Um, I don't say it enough. I feel like sometimes, you know, we don't say it enough, the people yeah. that really impacted us at the school. Yeah. Um, but definitely my coaches, um, and there are more coaches, but like the three main ones were um, Gal, Smitty, and the Alessis, um, you know, were very instrumental to developing me as, as, as a woman. Yes, absolutely. So second to last question, what's your overall vision for your legacy and your future generations? Mm -hmm. um, vision for my legacy, I, you know, I, mental health advocate is how I describe myself. So definitely promoting mental health and wellness. I want to be associated, like if you hear mental health and wellness, you hear the Live Without Apologies brand, you know, associated um, with lifting that, that topic area and issue area up and being a bridge and a connector for organizations um, and the community to come up with solutions. Um, and also my other, what was the other question? My other vision. Yeah, who, your vision for your, your legacy and your future generations. Oh, future generations that everyone would grow up with this mindset of like, I'm not relinquishing my power to society. I'm not relinquishing my power to the world. You know, I am my own person and I choose how I want to live my life in a healthy way, right? Yeah. Healthy meaning how do you show up as the best version of yourself? And that can be in every area or aspect of your life. How do you show up spiritually, financially, relationally, emotionally, physically? How do you show up as the best version of yourself? Yeah. That is you living unapologetically in a healthy way. Yeah. Um, and, you know, taking like no, no holds bar. Like what do I, the sky is the limit for anyone to do anything. Um, um, that's the, the legacy for future generations. I also want to normalize um, what it means to be mentally healthy. I want to I want to destigmatize, um, you know, mental health um, and and take away the mystery, take away the shame, take away the guilt. I want it like how we're having this natural conversation is how I want people to be able to speak about mental health. Right. Um, so I have, yeah, I want to develop more partnerships with like on the national level. I also want to develop more partnerships on the local level yeah. um, because I think these are important conversations. And I always say that this is, this is urgent, urgent, I will stress urgent business. Um, where, where the mind goes, the body goes. Yeah. Um, you can change, you know, any, you can be having the worst day, but if your mindset is, is against that, then you don't see it as a bad day. You know, you, you shift your mindset and you shift everything else in your life. I think that it's the most important thing that anyone can do for their health beyond, you know, other types of strategies. I think we all need to focus and get our minds right first. Yes, that is so key. If there's anything I want to pass down to my daughter is you control your thoughts and, and also is to give her a strong sense of, sense of self-worth those yeah. are the two main things i just 
pray, and of course, faith, a strong, unwavering faith. Those are like the three things I just hope and pray to pass on to her. Mindset is yeah. so crucial. Yeah. yeah. There is a, yeah, there's a quote that, and I'm going to butcher it. It's there. I'm missing the middle part, but it's like, um, your thoughts become something becomes your thoughts, your thoughts become something and that thing becomes action. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I will find that quote. I, I know. I think I know that one. Yeah. 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 That, um, that really resonated somewhere in a meme. <laughs> Yeah, I have so many of those in my phone saved. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I have so many memes saved on my Instagram. Yes. Yeah. So last question before I let you go. What does being a milk mean to you? Oh, I love being a milk. What does it mean <laughs> to me? It, it just means, um, I forget who used to, I don't know who was over um, like alumni or I forget his name now, but when we graduated, he was one of the people that we would contact when we needed to take money from our reserve, if we had money. Mm -hmm. And he had in his signature, um, to whom much is given, much is, um, is it expected? Um, yeah, I think it's expected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so that's what it, I think if I'm if I'm quoting so the because my brother has that in his profile on, on his WhatsApp that is so crazy. Oh what? Yeah. yeah. So I to me that's what it's some that's what being a milt um wow. is much for is, me. Much is expected or you could say much is required. But I think much is required. Much is expected. Yeah. My yeah, brother yeah, yeah. expected. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just like, we have been given so much, you know, and I am immensely writing grateful. This down because that, that is such a good quote. Yeah. Yeah. We've been given so much and I just want to pass it. Like if, if Milton Hershey were alive, I feel like he would be like, you know, you know, give back, you yeah. know, give back. So for us, it's like, give back in any way that you can operate yeah. in your gifts, right? Mm. For me, my gift is I'm a mental health advocate. So that's the way I'm giving back. Yeah. Someone else's gift might be that they're a writer, they're a musician, they are an actor, you know, how can we give back to the, the community and any in and, and, and the community where we find ourselves in, right? Yeah. Because then we are all just being shining lights in the world. Yes. And we are connected by milts who have who operate with this mindset that I'm I have been given so much so I'm going to give back to the world yeah. I'm going to operate in my gifts in any way that I can yeah um so that's what being a milk means to me it's it's giving back it's service yeah. it is I want to do you know mama and daddy milk proud yeah um, <laughs> so and and also all the teachers you know I'm, I've connected with so many teachers and staff are just like it's so awesome to see you and like as an adult I'm like yes. yeah. yeah it's kind of creepy too because I'm like oh yeah but <laughs> yeah. you're also grow you know you're also getting older and it's weird because <laughs> yeah. I still see you as Mr. you know or Mrs. so-and-so but you yeah. know that's just life you know now you're having a bait like I'm not I'm you know now people are having kids and I'm like yeah. oh, even my classmates I'm like wow yeah you're mom now right yeah it is incredible. Life, life goes faster than we know it. It is crazy yeah. to look back and see, see, see who you knew as a kid, 
you know, because a lot of times we get frozen in time, you know, right. we all remember each other at this time in our lives. And then to see this new person is, it is a little bit weird, but yeah. it's, it's embracing that too. That's really rewarding. Yeah. That, that you, yeah. Keep, and that's the beauty of like the, the mill association. And that's why I want to make it stronger and stronger. Cause when we do embrace like our new selves and we, we like work with each other and, you know, network with each other and build each other up. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing yeah. watching all these milts and their stories of how they, you know, especially in the younger classmen, how they have stuck together and have done so many different projects together. It's awesome. Right. It's so right. Awesome. And you're seeing more and more and more of that as more milts are graduating. I think the upperclassmen are learning from Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm learning. And I, I graduated in 02 and I see more MILTs from younger classmen doing more together, staying more connected, networking together and being a stronger association, which yeah. is, and that's the key. You know, that's why they create sororities and fraternities. It's to have a strong association and network to benefit each other, you know, and that's right. where the MHS Alumni Association, that's what I love to see it continue to become. Yeah, I have now I have to shout out Lauren LeBron from 07 because um, we just did our first uh, giveaway today. She has Inflection Point Wellness, that is her business, and my Instagram is blowing up, so I can't wait. <laughs> Yay! Oh my God, so I have to reach out to her too. See if you can connect us. I'd love to get her on the podcast too. Okay. As many, as many entrepreneurial milts as you know, send them my way. I'm still getting to know more milts. I know a lot of the older classmen. I'm still getting to know some of the younger classmen. So anybody that you know who would want to be on the podcast, definitely shoot them my way because the more um, exposure we can get for them, the better. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. So before right. I let you go, um, quickly shout out any websites you want people to know, any social media handles you want people to know. Um, sure. in your episode description, but I definitely want them to hear it from you too. Oh yeah. Okay. So my website <laughs> is forthcoming, <laughs> um, but you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at live without apologies. I'm also on YouTube. I need to fix my link. So Zara will have the description. Yes, okay. <laughs> um, and then I also have um, a link tree, which will also be in the description that has links to my previous podcast, podcast number one. Um, Zara is podcast number three. I'm still throwing it out there for podcast. <laughs> um, it's podcast number two. I'm throwing it out there for podcast three through five. Um, and then you'll also on my link tree and on my Instagram and Facebook um, will see that I am taking pre-orders. I don't know when this episode is going to be released, um, but I am taking pre-orders through April 30th through this Friday Perfect. for the Live Unapologetically t-shirt, which is very blurry right now, but there you yeah. Go. yeah. Awesome. So pre-orders for that in the next week. In the next week. Mm -hmm. Okay, perfect.